Hi, I'm Rick Schwartz. Hi, I'm Ebony Monet. Welcome to Amazing Wildlife, where we explore unique stories of wildlife from around the world and uncover fascinating animal facts. This podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, an international nonprofit conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. This next species is affectionately known as our oldest friend at the San Diego Zoo. We're learning more about a giant reptile that has been fascinating people for more than a century. In fact, Charles Darwin documented his first encounter with the Galapagos tortoise during his historic voyage from 1831 to 1836. The Galapagos tortoise is credited with possibly helping to inspire Darwin's theory of natural selection. Rick, what's the connection between the Galapagos tortoise and his famous theory? No, it's it's pretty cool. But honestly, before we jump into the connection between the Galapagos tortoise and Darwin's work and the theory of natural selection, I want to make sure we are all on the same page when it comes to the definition of a scientific theory. The scientific method that results in a scientific theory is a little different than how the word theory is commonly used in our general language. So most people use the word theory to mean an idea, speculation, or a hunch, for example. Uh, but when the scientific method is used, a scientific theory creates a structured explanation based on our best available knowledge and facts. And just to remind everybody, the scientific method is based on five steps. It's observation, hypothesis, experiment, analysis, and then conclusion. Now that said, Charles Darwin's work is understanding how the species of the Galapagos Islands seemed related to the ones found on the mainland. But that also includes that many physical variations seem to be unique to each island with these species. All of this led him to his scientific theory of natural selection. Essentially, he found that variations naturally occur within a species. And in those variations, certain ones allow for better survival in specific environments. Therefore, those with variations that allowed for better survival, well, they would live longer and produce more offspring, passing on the genes of that variation. But those with variations that don't allow for survival, well, they wouldn't live as long and reproduce, therefore not pass that on, creating that change in the species. As the process continues across several generations, well, the species starts to change and evolve. Rick, what was it about the Galapagos tortoise that supported this theory? Along with observation of many species, one thing that definitely caught his eye with regards to the giant tortoise ebony was that each of the 13 islands, the larger islands of the Galapagos archipelago, had a slightly different form to the shell, size, and shape of these now famous giant tortoises. He observed that each was uniquely suited for survival on that particular island's environment. So, for example... Dome shells were found on tortoises living in highlands with lush, natural pastures of grass and low-growing plants. Whereas saddleback shells, shells shaped with sort of a tall arch in the front like a saddle, gave the tortoise on other islands the ability to reach their heads up high, allowing them to stretch their neck to eat from bushes and cactuses because their environment was sparse with vegetation and that is found sort of you know, higher off the ground than the ones that had pastures. Also, he observed that on islands with that sparse vegetation, the tortoises have longer legs to climb a little and to reach for food growing higher. Interestingly enough, these tortoises tend to also be a little bit smaller, possibly to help them travel through their harsher environment. I always find discussions about natural selection fascinating, so that was very fascinating. So how many different species of Galapagos tortoises are there? 
This has been a very interesting process as we've learned more across the years. Currently, Ebony, there are 15 subspecies of the giant tortoise uniquely suited for survival on these particular island habitats. However, right now, four of those 15 are considered extinct. And I say as of right now, because one thing I have learned as science continues to evolve and change and we continue to better understand the world around us, we learn more. So who knows what discoveries we might make in the near future about these amazing tortoises? We can hope. So... Can we talk now about the San Diego Zoo's long history with the Galapagos tortoise? The San Diego Zoo is celebrating its 106th anniversary this year. And while you've been with the zoo an impressive amount of time, (laughs) there's some Galapagos tortoises that have you beat. (laughs) Yes, I should hope so, Ebony. My goodness, I'm not that old. (laughs) Yes, I have been with the zoo for most of my long career. But my time at the San Diego Zoo is nowhere near some of our Galapagos tortoises. In fact, some of the zoo's oldest residents are the Galapagos tortoises. Several have been with us since the late 1920s and early 1930s, making them the oldest residents of the zoo. And given that most of them came to us at a pretty decent size, it is assumed that they are already 20 years old or older when they arrived at the San Diego Zoo. So doing the math on that, you soon realize they're well over 100 years old. Wow. So how long can Galapagos tortoises live? Uh, This is always an interesting question, Ebony, because they live so long, many individual Galapagos tortoises have been around longer than we have had appropriate record keeping. So for most of them, we are only able to estimate their age. We don't actually know for sure when they hatched. With that in mind, I do want to share, there was a female Galapagos tortoise at another zoo that we know lived to be over 170 years old. Rick, have Galapagos tortoises like stumbled upon the fountain of youth? What do scientists attribute their long lives to? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a fountain in the middle of Galapagos Islands that just pours out this youthful water for them. So I need to go. <laughs> That's it. That's the secret right there. Uh, no, it really, at least part of the reason that we know is uh, the slow metabolism. It's believed this plays a big role in their longevity. So in all fairness, the connection between metabolism and longevity isn't completely understood, but it is believed that the faster the metabolism, the more free radicals or unstable molecules that can damage cells increase in the body. So when we look at it from the other side, the slower metabolism means less damage to the cells over the long run, which would then allow for a longer life. And also worth mentioning here, it was further understood after the famous tortoise Lonesome George passed away. Now, Lonesome George, for those who don't know, was believed basically to be the very last of his kind for several decades. And they tried to get him to to breed with a female or maybe create a hybrid version of his kind, but he never did. And so when he passed away, they did do a genetic analysis of his DNA. And they did quite a few different things that they were looking at and looking for. And essentially, they found that Galapagos tortoises possess several gene variants that are linked to DNA repair, immune response, and immune health, and cancer suppression. So these gene variants are not present in short-lived vertebrates, and it's very interesting for them to find this in the Galapagos tortoises. So I was joking, but they're maybe locked in their genes. There is some information about long life. Yeah, exactly. There there may not be a fountain of youth, but there may be some DNA of youth. Wow. So, Rick, could the Galapagos tortoises' diet possibly hold some of the secret to their long lives as well? Well, it's possible. They are herbivores, Ebony, meaning, of course, that they eat plants. And like we've mentioned, they have a slow metabolism, so they are either eating or sleeping. Galapagos tortoises will sleep or rest an average of 16 hours a day, 
The rest of their time, depending upon which island they are on, will be spent grazing on grasses and low-growing plants or enjoying taller plants and cactus pads. And of course, they will drink and bathe in water if and when it's available. But get this, if needed, they can survive up to a year without food or water. That's surprising to me just because of their large size, but I think we've learned through these conversations that there's not necessarily a direct correlation between the animal's large size and what they eat um, as far as right, right. being herbivores. So the Galapagos tortoise is known for its large size. Just how big can they get? Uh, they can get pretty big, Ebony. The adult size will vary depending upon the subspecies. But in general, males are up to six feet long from head to tail. And yes, they do have a tail and about four to five feet across on the curvature of their shell. We also see a size difference in the weight between the males and females, too, with males weighing up to 570 pounds and females up to 300 pounds. And I must admit, that's pretty impressive because when they hatch out of their egg ebony, they only weigh about two to three ounces. So that's less than a fourth of a pound. Wow, that sounds impressive. So how long, Rick, does it take for the Galapagos tortoises to reach their full size? Well, they usually reach sexual maturity around 20 to 25 years of age, and the majority of the growth does happen in those first 20 to 25 years. Although growth does slow after that, they don't really stop growing until closer to 40 years of age. Rick, today there's an estimated 20,000 to 25,000 tortoises living on the Galapagos Islands. And unfortunately, there's been a population decline. What are some of the causes? Yes, Ebony. Unfortunately, the Galapagos tortoise have a long history of being hunted for food by sailors and whalers that traveled through the oceans of that area from the 17th through 19th centuries. At the time, of course, they seemed so abundant, so no one thought anything of it. And again, like we mentioned, tortoises will live quite a long time without food and water. So sailors would capture them and bring them on board, and that way they'd have fresh food out at sea as well. Unfortunately, these same ocean-traveling humans would also drop off live goats and pigs on these islands as well. Now, these animals would thrive on the islands, reproducing easily with no real predators to worry about. Now, the sailors knew then that they could stop off at these islands later and hunt these now feral pigs and goats for fresh food during their long journeys at sea. Unfortunately, these goats and pigs eat much of the same food that the Galapagos tortoises eat, and they also damaged or destroyed nesting sites as well. Additionally, humans coming and going from these islands from ship to shore like that, and while well, they inadvertently also introduced rats to the islands as well. Although rats don't pose much of a risk to adult tortoises, they love raiding nests and eating the eggs. Later, then when humans started populating these islands, well, they also brought with them cattle, donkeys, dogs, and cats, all of which either damage nesting sites, injure young tortoises, or in some cases even kill them. Now, any one of these one things would be challenging for a species like the Galapagos tortoise that evolved on these islands away from any of these challenges. And, well, when you think about it, you stack all these up, it becomes too much. The result is a drop in the population, and sadly, there are some types of Galapagos tortoises that went extinct many years ago. Thankfully, the Galapagos National Park and Galapagos Conservancy have been making big strides in tortoise conservation. From habitat restoration and protective laws to breeding programs and Head Start programs with young tortoises, numbers are now stabilizing and even growing for many of the subspecies of Galapagos tortoises. Rick, they really are doing some great work, I understand, on the Galapagos Islands. How has the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance played a role in helping with Galapagos tortoise populations in conservation? 
Yes, Ebony, aside from caring for our own population of Galapagos tortoises at the San Diego Zoo for almost a century, back in 1969, the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance partnered with the Charles Darwin Station on the Galapagos Islands to help fund a new tortoise-rearing facility. Historically, the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance has also helped with managing propagation and reintroduction programs. And I can tell you, from when I was there a few years ago, that reproduction program and the facilities, it's truly amazing how much work they're really putting into this. And as a result of this partnership, a Galapagos tortoise that once lived at the San Diego Zoo played a significant role in the animal's population growth. Rick, who is Super Diego? <laughs> yes, Ebony, my favorite, <laughs> the very famous Super Diego. Well, Diego's story actually starts back in the 1960s when conservation action was really getting going for the Galapagos tortoises. It was found that the subspecies of a Galapagos tortoise from the island of Española was critically endangered with just two males and 12 females left. So a search for any remaining Española tortoises was on. With several populations of tortoises sent to zoos around the world in the 1930s, there was hope that more Española tortoises would be located. And sure enough, Diego at the San Diego Zoo happened to be from the island of Española. He was sent back to the Galapagos Islands to be part of their breeding program in 1977. And, well, let's just say Diego took his job of saving his kind very seriously and earned himself the name Super Diego because he fathered about 1,700 children in his time at the breeding facility. And thanks to the efforts of Diego, I mean Super Diego, many Española tortoises have been returned to their home island. And after doing so well at helping save his own kind, Diego has recently retired from the breeding program and has returned to the island of Española as well. Wow, Super Diego. <laughs> yep. Coming up, we'll find out what an amazing wildlife young listener wants to know about the Galapagos tortoise. But first, this. Now it's time for the San Diego Zoo Minute, an opportunity for you to learn what's new at the zoo. Earlier this year, a three-month-old giraffe calf at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park has received a new lease on life thanks to the swift action of our teams. The female youngster named Satuni, which means in the forest in Swahili, received a pair of specialized giraffe pattern orthotic braces that attach to her front legs to help correct her hyperextension. This disorder, also known as tendon laxity, had caused the giraffe's front legs to bend improperly and made it difficult for her to stand or walk. Wildlife care specialists said Satuni's chances of survival would have been very low without the treatment provided by the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance team in collaboration with orthocyst at Hanger Clinic. Did you know in 2012, renowned geneticist Dr. Oliver Ryder was invited to an international workshop on the Galapagos Islands to plan the next 10 years of Galapagos tortoise conservation efforts. Dr. Ryder is the Kleberg Endowed Director of Conservation Genetics at San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, as well as a creative problem solver with a deep capacity to understand the big conservation picture. The workshop used the expertise of people around the world in many different fields, including ecology, biology, horticulture, herpetology, physiology, genetics, and wildlife disease, among others. Today, we've talked about the Galapagos tortoise, and we have a question from one of our young listeners, Shelby. Are Galapagos tortoises good swimmers? 
Oh, Shelby, that is a good question. Even scientists wondered about this the first time they came across the giant tortoises hundreds of years ago. And I think when we look at these giant lumbering reptiles that kind of look like rocks with legs, it's pretty easy to assume that they would sink in deep water. Well, get this. In 1923, naturalist William B. Bay decided to see for himself and placed a Galapagos tortoise in the ocean. And thankfully, what do you know, the tortoise proved to be able to swim, extending its neck above the water and paddling, albeit slowly, and even able to steer itself towards land. They may not be as good at swimming as their relatives, the sea turtle, but they can manage pretty well for themselves given their size. That said, Galapagos tortoises are rarely seen heading out to the ocean on their own or swimming in deep waters. Do Galapagos tortoises have teeth? Well, Shelby, we do know they are able to take big bites of flowers, fruits, and even tough cactus paddles. So you would think they would have teeth to bite through those, but they don't. They do have bony outer edges along their mouth and a very dense and sharp keratin covering over them. Now, keratin is the same protein that makes up your fingernails and the beaks of birds. In fact, some people will even refer to the edge of a tortoise's mouth as its beak. So, no teeth, but still a very effective and sharp bite. Do Galapagos tortoises live alone or together? Oh, well, Shelby, uh, the answer to that is kind of yes and kind of no. Uh, Let me explain. The domed shell Galapagos tortoises that live in the lusher, grassy areas tend to share space and live in close proximity to each other, even crossing paths and sharing feeding spaces together. But there's no real social dynamic like you'd see maybe in a herd of elephants or a pride of lions. And then the other side of that, well, the saddle-backed Galapagos tortoises that live in the drier areas tend to be solitary and keep to themselves most of the time. So yeah, kind of yes and kind of no on living together. What animals eat Galapagos tortoises? Ah, yes, Shelby, the circle of life. Well, believe it or not, there are no natural predators of the adult Galapagos tortoises. In fact, before humans introduced other predatory species to the Galapagos Islands, the only natural predator to the Galapagos tortoise was the Galapagos hawk. Now, this bird of prey will sometimes eat the eggs or hunt the hatchlings of the Galapagos tortoise. But the hawk is too small to hunt the tortoises once they start to grow a little larger and definitely can't hunt the adults. Shelby, I want to thank you for taking the time to send in those questions. I really appreciate it. One of the best ways we can learn more about wildlife is to always be curious and ask questions like these. And if any other young listeners have questions about wildlife, please send us an audio file of you asking your questions to wildlife at iheartmedia.com. Then keep listening to see if we answer your questions on an upcoming episode. Yes, thanks to Shelby for those thoughtful questions, and thank you for listening. We hope you learned a lot about the Galapagos tortoise. Be sure to subscribe and tune into next week's episode, in which we bring you a story of an animal that's gray, but for some reason, we call them white. I'm Ebony Monet. And I'm Rick Schwartz. Thanks for listening. If you would like to find out more about San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, please visit sdzwa.org. Amazing Wildlife is a production of iHeartRadio. Our producer is Nakia Swinton, and our executive producer is Marcy DePina. Our audio engineer and editor is Sierra Spring. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.